Hi listeners, it's Kat here from Cast a Guest. I just wanted to take a quick minute outside of the show to let you know about empowerment coaching. I know this is probably confusing a lot of people right now. Outside of telling you about true crime, I work as a life coach, helping others achieve their goals, break down barriers, eliminate limiting beliefs, or anything else a person may need guidance to achieve their most authentic life. The world has been upside down since 2020, and I know a lot of us may be lost, confused, or unsure as to what we want and how to get there. If you think speaking with a life coach may help you, please feel free to contact me at alteregowellness at outlook.com or at alteregowell on Instagram. Okay, now back to our show. Howdy there, folks. My God. I just went through a really ridiculous fucking podcast with Kat, and uh, I can safely say uh, this is going to be truly fucked up, and I hope you enjoy it. Strong recommendation for strong booze. Today we got toilets, KFC, or if you're French, KPC. Is it Kate? It's Kentucky Poulet no, it's KP, whatever, I don't care, it's KFC. Everything in French is backwards, so yes. it'd probably be like Pole, Pole, Kentucky. No, yeah, yeah, right, I think it's PKC or something yeah. like that. <laughs> Anyways, alright, so we got toilets, we got KFC, we got a dog named Bleep, and we got gay pubs. If you're thinking, what? It's just another season of 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> Sounds like Big Ed. No neck Ed is up to some more trouble. <laughs> What's worse than Liz? <laughs> Natalie. Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. Oh, yeah, we hate Natalie. Yeah, she sucks. Natalie, uh, can Natalie, eat shit. if you're listening. We hate you. You're a shitty person who needs to do better. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck you, Natalie. No, we're actually going to be talking about Dennis Nilsson, the uh, the potty flusher killer. He doesn't actually have a moniker, but I think... We you just get, gave him one. I think you uh, are, are seeing where we're going with this one. That's so fetch. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> I'm John. And I'm Kat. And God damn it, this is Castagast. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. Welcome. I'm already a beer, and, and <laughs> now I've switched to wine. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Cast a Guest. Yes, welcome to another cast, another... A guest. Another cast and another <laughs> guest. Yes, welcome to another episode of Cast a Guest. Do you want to give us our disclaimer for today's episode? What do we got today? To keep it general. Hey, folks, here at Cast a Guest, in order to get through the depression of true crime... We keep things light by insulting the criminals and their families and anyone else who makes the entire crime fucking horrible and easy for the criminal to get away with it. 
we hate those people. So if you don't like that sort of thing, then I'm sure there's other podcasts for you. For the rest of you who have personalities and can handle a little bit of fun with your true crime, uh, welcome. Have a beer or six with me and Kat, and uh, let's get right into the murder and the mayhem. All right. Beautiful. Thank you for that eloquence. Thank you very much. Thank you. (laughs) Okay, today we are talking about Dennis Nilsson. Dennis Nilsson was born November 23rd, 1945 in Fraserburgh, Scotland to parents Elizabeth White and Olaf Moxheim, who adopted the surname Nilsson. Yeah, that's a real Scottish name. He was the second of three children. Dennis's father was a Norwegian soldier who traveled to Scotland where he met Elizabeth. He courted her briefly before marrying in May of 1942 and moved into Elizabeth's parents' house. Unfortunately, their marriage was never great from the start. Olav remained occupied with his duties in the Norwegian forces and didn't spend much time with his wife or finding a home for them. After Elizabeth gave birth to their third child, Olav Jr., Elizabeth filed for divorce. Dennis, Jeez, it takes three children to file for divorce. <laughs> Dennis was described as a quiet but adventurous child. He was particularly close with his maternal grandfather, and the two would take frequent long walks together along the harbors and beaches. Though Dennis was young at the time, he reflected back to these days later in life and said that this stage of his childhood was one of contentment. He also describes his grandfather as being a great hero and protector. Sadly, while working on his fishing boat in the North Sea, Dennis's grandfather died of a heart attack at the age of 62. His mother asked him through tears if he wanted to see his grandfather, which he said yes, and was taken into a room where his grandfather lay in an open casket. His mother said he was sleeping and had gone to a better place. Well, that's... I would... I think I've shared with you my horrific story when I was, like, nine, when my grandfather father passed away and my grandfather was already much older than other grandfathers because there's just a very long story behind that but um he was an older man to begin with so he looked like extra papery and and like old looking when I was a kid from my perspective like as as a kid and I remember when we were looking at him in an open casket and my mom was just bawling her eyes out and she told me to give my grandpa a kiss and I had I kissed my grandpa on the cheek, and I just remember how horrific. Like he felt like a plastic doll, you know. Uh, and I, I would never kiss a corpse. <laughs> and my mother, guys, is like a great person, but I will always hold a grudge against her <laughs> for making me do that. My Oma. <laughs> now, mind you, taking consideration that I uh, never really had a relationship with my grandparents out of no fault of their own. Um, I just didn't have much of a relationship with them. But my Oma was dying in 2020, not from COVID, not from COVID. And we visited her for the last time because we knew she was on the way out. And she was totally like sleeping and farting and everything. <laughs> and like my family of four, we approach her, like my dad, my mom, and my brother. And uh, she didn't even fucking look like herself. Like, she had gone fat in old age, which is hilarious. Like, oh, my gosh. You know, usually people get Gets, smaller yeah. and skinnier and, and, and sick. But she got fatter. So <laughs> it was funny. So anyways, so they all, like, in a line, in a procession, we approach this woman who smells like wet Band-Aids, who have, we haven't really seen um, in ages. 
um, again, not her fault. You know, she had Alzheimer's. She didn't know who the fuck we were anymore. But we all approached this sleeping old woman. And my mom and my dad and my brother all give her a kiss. And I was so concerned that something would jump off her and infest me. You know, <laughs> so I just I was just like, bye, Oma. You know? <laughs> <laughs> just like, didn't you pat her shoulders? Yeah, like I, I touched her shoulder and it felt like a little bit cold and gross. <laughs> you know? Oh my gosh. And it was fun is like, um, no one mentioned it to me. Like, why didn't you kiss your Oma? Well, thank goodness, because I didn't want to. <laughs> but um, I remember I was the last one out. And I remember as we're walking away, she started opening her eyes like she totally missed us. <laughs> I, 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 it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. She, she thought like a fucking, uh, garbage receptacle was like a relative. Like she, she she was, she was completely out of it. Well, she was best friends with her bedpan. May our, may our grandparents rest in peace. Yeah. So that's, that's that. And uh, they live through our memories. Yeah. We're never going to have kids. So at least we spared people that fucking weirdness (laughs) when we decide to go. I want to, I'm donating myself to taxidermy. Yeah. Okay. So the death of his grandfather affected Dennis a great deal. And as the years followed, he became more withdrawn and would often stand on the harbor alone watching the herring boats and would no longer partake in family activities. That sounds like the end of a clockwork orange. I know, yeah. You know, after he gets kicked out of his house, he's just staring at fucking boats yeah. Yeah. while old bums are like, hey, you know, a bit of copper for you, governor. <laughs> and then they beat the shit out of yeah. him. His mother moved out of her parents' home and into a flat. She later remarried a builder and they had four more children together. Dennis became resentful with his mother and stepfather as he believed the other children were getting more attention than he was. Though not a fan of his stepfather, he did respect him, and the family moved to Stricken in 1955. Stricken? Where the fuck is Stricken? Is it Stricken or Stricken? Who, who the fuck knows? Is that in Britain? Scotland. Scotland! Stricken! Oh. Around the age of puberty, Dennis came to the realization that he was gay. He was actually ashamed of this initially, as he believed that him being gay stemmed from a time that he once fondled his younger sister, and the boys he had crushes on resembled her. He was worried that this was a manifestation of what he felt for her. Jesus. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack with that fucking (laughs) sentence. There was also another situation in which Dennis fondled his older brother, Olaf Jr., while he was sleeping. It seems to me... That are we getting to the point where he just likes following fondling family members? <laughs> you know, it's not about being gay or straight. It's about being related. <laughs> not too long after, Olaf began to suspect Dennis was gay and would bully him for it. At the age of 14, Dennis joined the Army Cadet Force. He was hoping the British Army would be the means of escape from his hometown, which he described as stifling and had limited things to do. Yeah, they only had like one cinema <laughs> and, a, and, a, and a fucking IHOP, and that was it. Like The dating scene was nothing. <laughs> Dennis graduated school in 1961 with an above-average record. He loved history and art, but hated sports. Agreed. Sounds like you. Agreed. Fuck sports. Dennis enlisted in the army in 1961. He wanted to be a trained chef, so he joined the Army Catering Corps in Aldershot, Hampshire. (laughs) Oh my god, there's such a thing as the Army Catering Corps? Uh, Yeah. They like run into the field of battle with like chairs and fucking tables. Where's 
Where's our tablecloth, man? <laughs> I'm coming, sir! <laughs> and then he just whips out a tablecloth under gunfire. Quickly, where's the salt and pepper? <laughs> he looks back on this time as one of the happiest times of his life. Yeah, it would be. He even took part in a parade that was attended by the Queen and Lord Montgomery of Alamine. Oh my god. Lord Montgomery of Alamine! While in the army, Dennis kept his sexuality hidden and would bathe alone in his room rather than shower with the fellow inmates. Isn't it, though, socially appropriate to keep your sexuality hidden? Like, you don't go walking around with hard-ons and wet pussies. This, this is true. You know? He was worried he would develop an erection in their presence. <laughs> so, that's why he wanted to keep it hidden. You know what, though? That's a great way to avoid sitting next to people on the bus. Fast forward to 1967, Dennis was deployed to the state of Aden and served as a cook to the Al-Mansura prison. This was a far more dangerous post. Dennis had later said that his regime lost several men by ambushes on the way back to army barracks. Shit. Dennis himself was kidnapped by an Arab taxi driver who beat him unconscious and put him in the trunk of his car. When being dragged back out of the taxi trunk, Dennis had wielded a jack handle and began beating the taxi driver unconscious. Nice. And then locked him in the trunk of his own cab. Oh, the tables have turned, motherfucker. While stationed in Aden, Dennis developed sexual fantasies for unresistant or deceased partners. In 1969... What? What? In 1969... <laughs> You know, you know, the most unresistant partners is the usually deceased. Usually the deceased. In 1969, Dennis had his first sexual experience with a female, a sex worker, while in West Berlin. He bragged to his fellow co-workers, but had later claimed that he found it, quote, underrated and depressing, end quote. In 1972, Dennis concluded his 11-year military service. He ended with a corporal ranking. In 1973, Dennis decided to join the Metropolitan Police. He moved to London to begin training. While in London, he became lonely and started drinking alone at night. He would frequent gay pubs and have casual hookups with men. He later said he found these encounters soul-destroying because the partners were only lending him their bodies. Jesus, he, it sounds like he's living now. <laughs> like, this is how people live now. He ended up resigning from the police and began working as a security guard through 1973 and 74. In 1975, he became a civil servant where he would find work for laborers. In 1979, he was promoted to executive office and was transferred to Kentish Town. Now that we have the backstory of Dennis Nilsson, let's get to why he is featured today. In December of 1978, Dennis met 14-year-old Stephen Holmes at the Cricklewood Arms Pub. That's a tongue twister. Cricklewood Arms Pub. Stephen was trying to purchase alcohol but had no luck. Dennis had already been drinking alone all day when he had encountered Stephen. With the promise of drinking together, Stephen accepted Dennis's invitation to come over to his house. Dennis at this time thought Stephen was around 17 years old. The two drank heavily together and ended up passing out. When Dennis woke up, he found Stephen sleeping next to him. He confessed that he didn't want to wake Stephen out of fear that Stephen would leave him. Dennis wanted Stephen to stay, whether he liked it or not. After snuggling with the sleeping Stephen for a while, he reached for a necktie, straddled Stephen, and began strangling him. After Stephen fell into unconsciousness, Dennis drowned him in a bucket of water. He then bathed Stephen, who is now deceased, and placed him on his bed. 
He laid there caressing him and pleasuring himself over the body. Oh my god, what the fuck? He then stored the body beneath his floorboards. Eight months later, in August of 79, he built a pyre in the garden around his apartment and burned the body of Stephen Holmes. This is fucked. In October of 1979, Dennis met student Andrew Ho in a pub. Dennis invited Andrew over with the promise of sex. Dennis tried to strangle Andrew Ho, but he managed to get away and flee from the apartment. Dennis was questioned for the incident, but Andrew Ho never pressed charges. That was a bad decision. Can you just think, like... As you'll see, how many lives would have been saved if if he had pressed charges. Just two short months after the Andrew Ho incident, so two months later, on December 3rd of 1979, Dennis met 23-year-old Canadian student Kenneth Okenden, who is currently touring England and visiting relatives. The pair drank together at a pub, and Dennis offered to show Kenneth some London sights. He also invited Kenneth over to his place for some drinks and food, which Kenneth accepted. After stopping off at a liquor store for whiskey, beer, and rum, they headed back to Dennis's. Dennis ended up strangling Kenneth with the cord from a set of headphones. He dragged Kenneth across his apartment floor by this cord wrapped around his neck. Jesus. After killing Kenneth, he poured himself a glass of rum and listened to the music with the same headphones he just used to murder Kenneth. The next day, Dennis bought a Polaroid camera and took photos of Kenneth's body in provocative positions. He then laid Kenneth's body above him in a spread eagle position while he watched TV for hours. Oh my god, that's fucked. He later wrapped Kenneth's body in plastic and put him beneath the floorboards. Over the next two weeks, Dennis would take Kenneth's body out and would position it beside him in his armchair while he drank and watched TV. I mean, no disrespect to Kenneth and his family when I say this, but just hearing this made me think of that really creepy Daisy YouTube channel that we saw where there was that that hopefully mannequin wrapped up in oh, plastic. Yeah. Do you that, remember that? That was weird. Tread carefully if you guys check out the Daisy YouTube channel. It is the creepiest fucking thing that yeah, has to live on YouTube. It's like, I hope to God it's a mannequin. But it, it looks like a body that's wrapped up in a body bag with duct tape and just this creepy, I'm assuming man, just like the channels are, the, the videos are titled like Daisy Comes Home and oh, Daisy smart. Gets Comfortable and it's just this creepy mannequin, I'm hoping, in these positions. It's, yeah. it's so fucking creepy. In May of 1980, 16-year-old Martin Duffy was hitchhiking to London without his parents knowing after he was questioned by police for evading his train ticket fare. So he was heading back home, but by hitchhiking because he never purchased a train ticket. For four days, Martin slept in the railway station. Dennis, just arriving back from a union conference, encountered Martin at at the station and offered him a meal and a place to stay for the night. After Martin fell asleep in Dennis's bed, Dennis put a ligature around his neck while also sitting on his chest. Like his first victim, Stephen, he strangled him until he fell unconscious, then drowned him in the kitchen sink. Jesus fucking Christ, this is crazy. He bathed the body, then set it up in various positions around his apartment. First a kitchen chair, then his bed. He would kiss the corpse and pleasure himself while sitting on the stomach of Martin. Oh, my God. This is such a fucked up... 
Wait. Like, what the fuck is wrong with this ass wipe? After two days of having him stored in a cupboard, Dennis... What? Stored in a cupboard? (laughs) Like, like next to the crackers and the cookies. Like, what the fuck? How does he not, like, die from the stink of these dead bodies? just, Just wait. Just wait. After two days of having him stored in a cupboard, Dennis moved him to the floorboards after he noticed signs of bloating. Bloating. Oh, God damn it. This is fucked up. Dennis met a few men after that, but refrained from any murders as he was running out of space beneath his floorboards. That's fucked. He did have an incident with a man named Toshimitsu Azawa, a chef, Japanese. No shit. Who ran after he saw Dennis coming at him with a tie. And another... (laughs) (laughs) That's usually what you do when I bring out a tie. (laughs) Coming at him with a tie. (laughs) Do you think this pattern goes with pot? (laughs) (laughs) And another incident with a Paul Nobbs. While being with Dennis, Paul had passed out, but had woken up to Dennis strangling him and trying to drown him. Paul survived, but didn't have memory of the incident. He did wake up feeling dizzy and with a bloodshot eye. After going to the hospital, they told him that someone had tried to strangle him. Toshimitsu nor Paul went to the police. In March of 1987, Dennis met John Howlett and invited him for a drink. After falling asleep in Dennis's bed, Dennis had tried strangling him, but John woke up and the two struggled. Dennis managed to strangle him three times into unconsciousness, but John wouldn't stop breathing. After the third time, Dennis filled his tub and drowned John. Dennis dismembered the body, flushing the flesh and organs down his toilet and throwing his bones in the trash. What the fuck? Are you serious? Like, he boned them and fucking chopped them up and flushed them down the toilet? Yeah. That's like a Lever 2000 thing. (laughs) 2000 flushes. Like, it would take fucking forever to flush someone down a toilet. Holy shit. Yeah. And, like, that's 1987. Like, they didn't have, like, the... Well, I the guess septic. He, <laughs> <laughs> the pipes like they like we have now. Can you imagine if you had like a low flow toilet? Oh my god! You know that the shitty environmentalists fucking like have? where it's like a button for pee and a button for bowel movement. Oh my god! And then a button for humans. <laughs> Sadly, fuck that's so <laughs> fucked up. Sadly, just two months later, the same thing would occur to Carl Stodder. He woke up to Dennis strangling him, and then was immersed in his tub. Dennis sat Carl in his armchair. However, he soon realized that Carl wasn't dead because Dennis's dog, Bleep, jumped up and started licking Carl's face. And he knew Carl had to be alive because Bleep never interacted with the corpses. Now, I do just want to say name the, is Bleep. I was just going to say, I do want to say the dog's name is, is Bleep. I'm not just, I'm not, you know. <laughs> the dog's name is censored. <laughs> The dog, and, and only just because this is a PG-13 podcast, his actual name is Cunt. <laughs> he decided to p- perform CPR on Carl and told Carl that he accidentally suffocated in a sleeping bag. Carl fell in and out of consciousness over the next two days and would have dreams of Dennis strangling him. When asked about this, Dennis denied it, still blaming the sleeping bag. When he was recalling the part about the water, Dennis said that he had put him in the tub to help him recover from being in shock. He dropped Carl off at the railway station, saying he hoped to meet him again. They never met again. Of course not. 
After being promoted to executive director in 1982, Dennis met Graham Allen. He was trying to hail a cab, and Dennis had invited him to a meal at the Cranley Gardens, which is his apartment. Dennis strangled Graham, but doesn't have any recollection of the moment he had strangled him. He kept Graham in his bathtub for three days before he started dissecting and dismembering the body. He had to take off time at work to do this. January 26, 1983, Dennis met Stephen Sinclair. Witnesses say they saw Stephen walking with Dennis heading towards the train station. While at Dennis's apartment, Stephen fell into a drug and alcohol-induced sleep in the armchair. The two were listening to music together at this time. Dennis knelt in front of Stephen's sleeping body and said, quote, Oh, Stephen, here I go again, end quote, and began strangling him with a ligature made from a rope and a necktie. Oh, my God. After looking over his body, Dennis discovered bandage marks on Stephen's wrist that had deep slashes under them from a recent suicide attempt, which I found to be, like, Jesus. the saddest thing. Holy fuck, no kidding. Like, he... He overcomes the suicide attempt only to fall victim to this fucking asshole. In typical Dennis fashion, he bathed the body, applied talcum powder to it, and posed mirrors around the bed. He then laid naked beside Stephen's body while kissing the body, saying, quote, Good night, Stephen. He would eventually dismember the body and flush the parts down the toilet. Where did you find this fucking guy? What the fuck is this shit? <laughs> In February of 1983, Dennis complained to the landlord that the drains at his complex were clogged and that the conditions were intolerable. When responding to the complaint, a dino rod employee, Michael Catron, opened a drain cover at the Cranley Gardens apartments and saw that it was packed with a flesh-like substance and numerous small bones. Michael reported this to his supervisor. Michael met with Dennis and another tenant to discuss the substance that looked like human flesh. And Dennis replied with, quote, it looks like someone has been flushing down their Kentucky fried chicken. Oh, for fuck's sake. End sakes. quote. Imagine that is like part of the 11 herbs and spices. Ew. What? <laughs> you know, human hair. Gross. And butt flint. <laughs> When working on unclogging the drain, it was apparent that these were human bones, one being a hand. Oh, my God. They notified the police right away. After taking the bones and flesh to a mortuary, a, a mortuary. A mortuary. <laughs> oh, I'm After fading. a sepulcher. <laughs> After taking the bones and flesh to a mortuary, it was determined by a pathologist that they were indeed human and was even able to see the ligature marks on skin that would have belonged to a neck. Oh my god, this is fucked. Police questioned the tenants and learned that the top floor apartment where the remains had been flushed belonged to Dennis. They waited for Dennis outside his apartment until he came home from work. They said they were there to inquire about the blockage in the drains and asked him if they could access the apartment. When they entered, they were immediately hit with the smell of rotting flesh. So he was sitting in rotting flesh stench. Dennis started questioning them why they would be interested in his drains, which they replied that the blockage came from human flesh. Dennis, of course, put on quite a show saying, good grief, how awful. <laughs> he turned into Charlie Brown. The officer replied that he knew Dennis was messing about and wanted to know where the rest of the body was. Surprisingly, he calmly replied that they were in plastic bags in the wardrobe. Oh, he knew he was caught. When they went to it, there was an overwhelming smell of decay. Without opening it, they asked Dennis if there were other bodies. Dennis replied with, quote, 
It's a long story. It goes back a long time. I'll tell you everything. I want to get it off my chest. Not here at the police station. End quote. On the way to the station, the police asked if the remains belonged to one or two bodies, and he said 15 or 16 since 1978. Oh my God. Dennis made a full confession. He confessed that more remains were stored in a tea chest and in a drawer in his bathroom. He could only recall the identity of one, which was Stephen Sinclair. He confessed that he had killed 12 or 13 men at his previous residence and also had unsuccessful attempts. While searching his home, police discovered a torso, two legs, a skull, a section of a torso, and various bones. They also discovered bones in the rear garden where he had burned them. On November 4, 1983, Dennis Nelson was found guilty of six counts of murder and one of attempted murder. He was sentenced to life imprisonment with a minimum of 25 years imprisonment. Nice. He never exercised his appeal rights. In December of 1983, Dennis was attacked in prison and was slashed with a razor blade in the face and chest. He required 89 stitches. Please tell me that the criminal who did this was knighted. (laughs) Well done, sir. 89. Dennis's first victim, 14-year-old Stephen Holmes, was not identified until 2006. And at least four others remain unidentified. Holy fuck. That's, That's fucking disturbing. On May 10th, 2018, Dennis was taken to the hospital complaining of stomach pains. He had suffered an abdominal aortic aneurysm. He had surgery but developed a blood clot and passed away on May 12th. And that wraps up our story on Dennis Nilton. (laughs) That's all I have to say about that. (laughs) Forrest Gump. Now I did put here our good dog bleep. Poor bleep. He does look like a bleep. Like, poor thing, having to see, live with that asshole and see the things he saw. The poor dog. That is Dennis Nilsson. He looks like fucking... Just wait until you see. So, David Tennant played him. Oh my god! (laughs) They're the same guy! Are they not, like, twins? Wow. It is unreal. Yeah, that's very close. Yeah. So Holy I had fuck. to include David Tennant uh, playing De- Dennis Nelson. And what did he play him in? I want. Wasn't to Doctor s- Who? No, <laughs> I almost want to say it was a uh, Mind Hunter. Oh no, it was in a mini series, Devil in the Details. Hmm. I like David Tennant. So that is Dennis Nelson. What did you think? I hate him. Can you imagine just like the being the poor plumbers? Did he get a moniker of some sort, like the uh, the the toilet flushing killer or something? Not like, that I know of. Like that is just beyond crazy. And this was British, eh? Like this was a Scotsman. Yeah, he was Scottish, and That's yeah, fucked. and then lived in London. And That's like, fucked that he got full... away with so much of this shit. And then just to make a full confession. Oh, you got me. I'll, let me no, let me get it off my chest. I was feeling a little bit of guilt. I had to, like, get up and read in the middle of night because I was feeling a little bit guilty. In the middle of night. This fucking dickwad. Yeah. I'm glad, like, he got slashed in prison. That was nice. This is going to be a a good, um... Oh, yeah, and it's... He got a good gnarly scar from it. Anyways, we will wrap it up here. Ah. 
Everybody wish John a happy birthday. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Spend it in the workplace. All four of our listeners. <laughs> yeah, but we have no listeners. The sun is just hitting your blue eyes in the most beautiful way. All right, and let's let's be done with this. I need to drink. And this craft dinner stain on your shirt really brings out. I'll, I'll the- <laughs> fucking switch my shirt after I have a shower and wash off the fucking depression. Thank you for joining us, everyone. We hope you have a wonderful day, week, whenever you're listening to us. Happy Easter or whatever the fuck you celebrate, and uh, enjoy. Take care. Thank you, and good night. Good night. You can check us out on YouTube at Catum Concoction. That's C-A-T-A-M-C-O-N-C-O-C-T-I-O-N. <laughs> and on Instagram at cast underscore aghast. Remember, there's a silent H. <laughs> <laughs>